Thank you. It's a great joy to be back and uh, wonderful to be amongst a people of God that are alive. Amen? And have a future because the alternative is not good. And welcome to the city. And uh, I can't see you, but I know you look awesome. And uh, I was just meditating about the city there in a time of worship, and I just felt the Lord just say to me, city, that uh, a phrase. He just said, um, darkened alleyways and crystal palaces. And I said, Lord, what does that mean? And it, I felt the Lord just say, city, that you are to reach the destitute and the depressed and yet also those that are in the multi-tower buildings. And, and it was like there's going to be a twin anointing and grace on you, and so do not be surprised, therefore, and adapt to when God brings people into your midst who are burdened and anointed for both segments. Uh, um, God wants there to be a perfect harmony and a synergy between them, even though one, uh, this person has a great burden, oh, forget about the rest, we just got to reach these people who are lying in the streets, uh, or, or, or destitute, or sleeping under the bridge, and, and that is given of God. But the person over here who says, I just got this burden to reach accountants and and law people and politicians, well, that's not carnal. <laughs> that is not, uh, 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 that also is an anointing and a calling of grace of God because God just sees people. And so to, I just felt that burden on me in the time of worship city, and so I really believe that the Lord wants you to realize that it's a twin calling on you and that he will grace you for both segments of society. Um, now, with the um, time there was double services and that sort of thing, uh, I'll probably minister to one or two per personally tonight, but I, I really feel that um, my heart is to impart to the corporate and collective because of the time frame this morning. And um, I want to give you two or three different things, so I will flow into it, but why don't we pray? That is always a really good thing to do. You go pray? Well, I know you do because <laughs> I heard about nine days, ten days coming up. Seven days. Ten. Glory, this place will just take off. Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful, Father, for your unconditional love and your indescribable, indescribable love acceptance, just the way that you delight in us, Father, and give us the incredible opportunity to worship you and love you and serve you. Father, we surrender every moment to you that that which is truly in your heart will be revealed. And Father, every heart in this place this morning and in the city will feel the warmth and the touch of the Holy Spirit as he whispers into every single heart that which is uniquely significant to them. Father, touch each one by your wonderful grace, Father, and we give you alone the honor 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I really want to get into it, but let me say this, that I am so excited about your conference. And, and I said spontaneously at the leadership meeting on a Friday night, and uh, I meant it with all my heart, um, I can't be there because I, I'm ministering someplace in the globe, but I got so excited about your conference and its objectives and the speakers and the whole feel of it for this nation and for the nations of the earth that I said, well, Margaret and I are registering anyhow. We can't come, but I'm paying the $65 for, well, 130 for Margaret and I simply because I want to invest into something that that's so significant for this country. And, and I believe that it's not just a local church's conference. I, th I, think, I think it's on God's radar to damage the kingdom of darkness and establish the kingdom of light. And so uh, don't, don't underestimate that. And I love the thought about the car park thing. And I don't really have time for this, but I'm going to. Uh, uh, um, because I remember I had a flashback when you said that uh, about, I don't know, about 25 years ago or 20 years ago or something like that. I was part of a, a mega church in uh, Melbourne at the time and uh, one of the senior team and um, traveling the globe and preaching, including here and everywhere. Um, and um, the, I heard them call and say, oh, they had their huge conference on and pastors were coming from all over the country. And the previous uh, week, I had just finished preaching at the uh, CRC's international conference. Every four years, they have an international one where they come together from all around the globe. And I was the speaker that year. And, and, and this was the following week. And some of them had come to the conference. And suddenly, this announcement came, we're, we're three car park attendants short. So, so... I wasn't speaking at this one, so I just shot out the back, grabbed one of those wow. coats, wow. and got out in the car park, and, and I'm just going like this and shoving them all over the place. I, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually having a ball. I have no clue what I'm doing, but I, and I, I just always wanted to do that sort of thing. And so, and so here I was going like that, and the funniest thing, man, I wish I had a camera. Uh, um, this car drove in and stopped dead. Like, like held up traffic, stopped dead, and the window slowly came down, and here's the four members of the national executive of the CRC that from the conference the week before where I had been their speaker. And the guy driving the car, his eyeballs are like saucers, and the words that came out of his mouth was, Dear God, if that's the car park attendant, can you wait to see their ministry team? <laughs> so, I thought that was quite cool. Um, the, when I was praying with a blank sheet of paper and saying, Father, what do you want for this visit to Unlimited? Quite clearly, the phrase that came to me was, invade and establish. Invade and establish, invading the kingdoms of darkness with the kingdom of light. Invading and bringing heaven's culture into Satan's culture and overcoming. 
And on Friday, with the uh, ministry team, so I'm in meetings, I forget who, who, but the ministry team, I actually spent about an hour unpacking that. I don't have time to do that this morning because I have something else to say to you collectively, but I will give you the, the highlights of the five points that I gave at length to them um, because when I saw invade and establish, I realized that it was, in fact, an overarching commission on this church moving forward in the years that lie ahead. Constantly, the Lord is going to remind you, uh, don't, it's like another wave, another wave, another wave. Invade and establish. When is enough enough? Never. Never. Until the kingdoms of this world are subject to the kingdoms of our Christ, it's never enough. Yeah. And so, and, and then when I was sharing with your ministry team, the word strategy came, and I, I saw five strategies, which I, uh, I'll give you the highlight, but that's it. Um, I saw the strategy of invasion and establishment where uh, the culture of heaven was coming into communities, love was overcoming pain and anguish and anger, and uh, integrity was overcoming prejudice and suspicion, and I saw civic leaders and police leaders who early on would be skeptical that, uh, that they were suddenly seeing what was happening, and that skepticism was turning to gratitude and appreciation, and that was in turn opening doors to other communities and cities. The second thing I saw was a strategy of the targeting of cultures. And I saw specific people's group being reached because you would get a strategy to meet specific needs within that culture in particular. And then I saw that happening here, but I saw you doing it here with an entirely different culture and people's group. But then I saw there was a draw, once that had been established, the drawing of those two groups together, and even though they were so diverse in background and culture, they were working together in a synergy of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the third thing I saw was a strategy of campus planting. You better get used to that. Yeah. Because I think as long as anybody's breathing in this place, it's going to be part of it. And so, but I saw that there was going to be diverse models of campus planting and that the model would fit the culture and the environment into which you were going. And so that was important. Uh, but one of those I saw was this uh, a particular uh, campus was, uh, and I'm just sewing it in for uh, your consideration as a leadership uh, uh, at some time in the future, wherever, but, but I saw these very highly intentional uh, pre-evangelism groups what I would call friendship groups, totally unsaved people coming together uh, because they all happen to love rugby or they all happen to love politics or they all happen to love whatever it was and it was just a barbecue friendship gathering together but one by one they then would start getting saved and still just within the friendship group and then as the number of um, people were getting saved, were growing in that group, and there was another group over here was doing the same thing, and another one over here was doing the same thing, and as the number of people getting saved in each of these groups was growing, then they would introduce these groups to each other and say, hey, there's a group doing the same thing down here, and they got a different interest, and they would suddenly find each other, and what? You've got a campus. Yeah. 
and but the campus is born of new converts who have a first love passion and a zeal and a fire and a commitment and have a hunger to reproduce themselves in the lives of others. I fourth thing I saw was a, a strategy of very, very intentional uh, and uh, how can I put it, uh, training and planting of people into the marketplace ministry. By that I mean not church ministry. I mean out there, whether it's in sports or business or politics or whatever it is, but I saw that it was highly intentional training and planting people into marketplace environments. And I believe that is going to release a whole new wave of people who discover that if they don't feel called to the church ministry, it doesn't mean they don't have a ministry. They have a ministry, it's just not on here on a Sunday, but it is out there. And the fifth, sorry, number five, I see the strategy of the written word. Now, that was exciting because I've been at this 50 years. I, uh, last year was my 50th year preaching, and I've been preaching 50 years, and I'd never seen this phrase before. And it said, missionaries of the pen. It was so bold, missionaries of the pen, and I saw that there were men and women that would be raised up in this church, and some very, very young ones. I, I couldn't help see how some of them were, were incredibly young. Not all, but some of them were quite young. And they were anointed to write rather than anointed to go. Anointed to write rather than anointed to go, and they would be powerfully used to bring hope and prophetic insight to people around the globe. And I saw them getting into incredibly diverse and remote places that, the, that their people of this church will never get to with their shoes and socks, but they will get to with the pen and the paper. And so um, some of you really need to take that word this morning. You're interested in writing, you've always liked to do that, then you realize that just might not be a hobby for you or something you're gonna, you know, something you would like doing, but maybe it's the call of God on you. Maybe there's a gift inside of you that needs to get unlocked that could touch the lives of people around the world. And so uh, pursue that. And uh, I saw for Pastor Tark, I saw two words that were very, very strong, and I, I shared them with them on Friday, and that was the word extraordinary and unreasonable. And you say, well, okay, but no, extraordinary. I said, Father, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I don't mean ordinary as in human. I mean ordinary as in what his capacity has been up until now, and that which you are able to do. It's not ordinary at all, but it's ordinary as in, yes, I can do this, but this year moving forward, uh, I felt the Lord put in big capital letters the word extra. Extra ordinary. And it's like everything that you're going to be doing is going to be extra. It's going to be extra big. It's going to be extra campuses. It's the, the, the very conference that you're having right now goes from a venue this size to a venue that's extra. And it's going to be a mark moving forward uh, of the extraordinary and the 
unreasonable. Um, by unreasonable, I mean not governed by reason. Uh, uh, men and women talk about faith, but faith is an action. It's not just a belief. And the thing that binds the people of God so often is the, is the fact that we have so many good people that will remind us to be reasonable. You're, you're not called to be reasonable. You're called to be obedient. And so I saw those two words, extraordinary and unreasonable. And in now, just in the next 20 minutes or so, um, I want to share with you because as you are committed to those five prophetic steps and strategy uh, moving forward, the enemy's not going to sit back in an armchair and say, oh, I lost them, what a, oh dear, I might as well give up. No, 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 he's not going to be like that. But he also knows what, what will utterly fail if he tries and what may have some potential. And so I felt the Lord speak to me out of the myriad of things I could speak about. I felt the Lord say, no, I want to, I just want to nail something uh, this morning and a different thing tonight. And it's a bit like um, when the enemy sees that his uh, surprise is gone, sometimes the, he doesn't even bother trying. You take the wind out of his sails, you know. And so um, I want to talk about things that can, that can prevent the, the committed focus that you already have, because you really do have an amazing focus as a local church. Uh, um, everybody talks about the way in which you are so committed to reaching this world for Christ. Um, but I want to su suggest now that there are people out here this morning that, that have been called of God, chosen of God, commissioned by God, stirred by God, but need to be released this morning, need to realize that now is the time. So, so that's what I want to talk about. I want to knock procrastination on the head. Okay, so I've got about 18 minutes of belt procrastination, but I want to put this phrase in your heart, mind, and spirit. Seize the moment. Seize the moment. You know that um, in World War II, the they, they, Nazis had conquered Europe, and the Allies were waiting to invade, um, but there was this horrific weather, storms, and the English Channel was impossible, and so all the, the German high command and everything, they got relaxed, everybody went on holiday. Why? Because, well, obviously you can't invade across the English Channel with storms and everything, and so they were all safe and secure, and then some unbeknown little weatherman suddenly spotted something. And he spotted this little chink of time where there would be a break in the weather. And he raced in and he told all the big chiefs and Winston Churchill and Dwight Eisenhower got together and they said, we have got to make a decision. But you see, they had to make a decision then. Tomorrow would have been way too late. 
And they seized the moment, they launched the invasion, and all of history was changed. Friends, sometimes you, you can't put it off. Sometimes you can't say, I'll wait for a more convenient moment. I have found in my life, and serving God, I'll be 70 this year, that, sir, that the moments of great significance very seldom ever come at convenient times. They, they just come, and you've got to seize the moment. Are you with me? Because it is the appointed time. If ever I felt a phrase for you as a church, it's the appointed time. It's the appointed time to, to plant campuses. It's appointed time to invade nations and bring the culture of heaven with missionary zeal. But you know what history tells us? The history tells us that on the vast majority of occasions, God's people actually miss the appointed time. It's sad. You think, of, you think of Israel, uh, um, uh, the people of God. Um, Moses gets the word from the Lord. Everything is so clear, and the anointing of God is there, and the pillar of fire is there. The miracles are there. Everything is there, and God led them out of Egypt to go into Israel in a matter of days. It was planned to all happen in a matter of days. But because of procrastination and human logic, intimidation and complacency and all of these things, insecurity, they missed their moment. And a whole generation had to pay because they did not seize the moment. 45 years ago or close to it, I can't remember exactly, not good on dates, I remember being at Snell's Beach at a pastor's conference and some visiting um, apostolic prophetic guy from the United States was there speaking at a, a pastor's conference and he said, he came under anointing and he said, this little nation is anointed by God to be a breadbasket to the world. And then he said, and you will send four missionaries and ministries that will impact nations. And you know, over about the next few years, the next four or five, six years or so, it was extraordinary. The Winky Prattneys and the John Dawsons, the Brian Houston and the Phil Pringles and many of these people that left New Zealand over the next few years have started movements that have changed the entire globe. But then we got diverted. Then we got caught up in lots of other great good stuff. But I felt when I was praying and preparing to come here that the word of the Lord was coming the second time. And friends, it's the time. It's the time. It's on God's calendar. It's God. I tell you right now, if ever I felt an urgency in my spirit, this conference that you're having, don't treat it like another conference. It is a signal to the forces of hell that they are being served notice. God has it on his calendar. It is the right time. Seize the moment. Do you know that in Luke 19, Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. And in verse 44, he's weeping. And he's saying, because you did not recognize 
the time of your visitation. You, you, you failed to, you believed it, you believed it was coming, you believed in it fervently. The, the religious leaders always used to talk about the Messiah all the time. Nothing wrong with their theology, but they didn't recognize the moment. They didn't seize the moment. Friends, we live in urgent days. And my Bible says, God declaring about an attitude, he says, my people, my people will be willing in the day of my power. And in Joshua chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3, well-known scriptures, uh, um, God is speaking to Joshua and he's saying, listen, my, my servant Moses, awesome, awesome, but he's dead, and yesterday is yesterday, you'll never have it back. But now, therefore, arise. Oh, that word rings in my spirit. Now, therefore, arise. Arise. Arise to the occasion. Recognize God's timing. See that the moment has actually arrived. It's a divine window of opportunity for this nation and for the world. Seize the moment. Now, friends, I am, please, can I say this to you? I am not here this morning to talk to a select number who happen to get up and preach or, or, or are missionaries in the classic sense of the word. I am talking to every living, breathing individual in this place because you have your own world. You have your own environment. You have your own calling. You have your own anointing. And whatever environment you happen to be in, God's word to you is the same as it is to pass a task, and that is in vain and established. You are there to invade despair with hope. You are there to invade darkness with light. You are there to invade uh, anger and frustration with love and forgiveness. It is your commission to invade and establish the culture of heaven. Are you getting me? And it is now the time. It is not a time for you to sit back and say, well, I'm, I hope things will change or I hope the circumstances will get more easy or maybe so-and-so's attitudes will change first because if you do that, you're going to miss it. Yeah. You're going to miss the divine moment yeah. because now is the time. Wow. I'm getting a hold of this. Yeah. You see, friends, listen to me. A lot of you have had prophetic words and you say, but, but it hasn't come to pass, it hasn't come to pass. Well, well, friends, most of the time that we're waiting for God, God's waiting for us. Yes. Prophetic words don't automatically come to pass. They come to pass because somebody took a hold of them. They seized the moment. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 3, when they start obeying what God has told them to do, the Lord actually gives them a very specific word. He says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, in other words, when you see the presence of God, the direction of God, the commission of God, where God is going, and the priests, the Levites, the leadership who are carrying it on their shoulders, then the people shall set out. Look at this. Set out from your place and go after it. Boy, those words leapt out of my spirit. Set out from your present position and go after it. My friends, are you willing to go after it? 
Are you willing to go after it? What about your personal world of change? What about your marriage? What about your family? What about your vocation? What about your building? What about your physical health and fitness? What about your prayer life? What about your ministry? What about what God said to you yesterday and five years ago? Are you willing to get up and go after it? because the land will not jump into your pocket. It has to be invaded and established. You have to go after it. So you're going to invade your sickness with his divine health. You're going to invade that contention with a love, the culture of heaven, and bring marriage reconciliation that, that poverty-mindedness needs to be invaded with a culture of heaven and a new celebration of financial breakthrough. Friends, these areas won't just collapse on their own. You have to get an attitude about it. You have to decide this is not the culture of heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you only have to ask yourself one question. Is it in heaven? Is contention in heaven? No. Is anger in heaven? No. Is offense in heaven? No. Is misery in heaven? No. Is poverty in heaven? No. So, so all you have to do is ask yourself one little question. Is it in heaven? Because we are commissioned and empowered to bring his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so right now, God's prophetic word to you could not be clearer for your personal life, for your finances, for your marriage, for your relationships, for your church, as it is in heaven. I've been married 46 years, 47 years this year, and I'll tell you something now. <laughs> it's getting better and better and better and better and better. <laughs> Why? Because until it, until it is as it is in heaven, <laughs> it's time. It's time. I could finish preaching right now because it is time. I'm not going to, but it is time. And I, I, if I repeated that phrase just about another thousand times so you got it, yeah. and you went out of those doors this morning yeah. with a resolve and a tenacity and a decision in your spirit, enough is enough is enough is enough if it's not what God gave me. If it's not the commission of God, if it's not the promise of God, it's not the prophecy of God in my spirit, then it's time to change it. Don't wait for the other person to get it right. Don't wait for the circumstances to get better. But you know, for some of us here this morning, the challenge is, it said, get up from your present position and go after it. Get up from your present position and go after it. Friends, that's not geography, that's attitude. 
What do I mean? I mean your present position, that's your comfort zone. That's what you're capable of right now. That's your capacity as you're sitting here this morning. That's what you know that you can do and have been doing over this last few years or whatever. And God says, I want to rattle that, shake that. If it isn't the ultimate of my calling for you, if it's not the ultimate of my intention for you or your marriage or your business or your world, then I want you to get up out of it. Get out of the comfort zone. Get out of what you could handle yesterday and go after it. Go after what God has put in your spirit. Can you say amen? amen. You see in John chapter 5 and verses 2 to 4, you have the incredible story of where all these sick people uh, were gathered hoping to get healed uh, around the sheep gate uh, at Bethesda. And listen to this, there were all sorts of different people there. There were sick people, which are uh, obviously unwell. I'm spiritualizing these conditions. They're just not healthy in their Christian walk. They were blind. What does that mean? They had no vision. They were lame. What does that mean? Well, they were crippled in their daily walk. They were paralyzed. Some that were paralyzed. What paralyzes God's people? Indifference, fear, intimidation, unbelief, selfishness. But they, they were sitting there and they all needed to be healed. They all wanted to be healed. And it says in verse 4 that the angel of the Lord would come down, or oh, hear me now, would come down at a certain time. And the angel of the Lord would come at a divine moment, a specified moment and would stir the waters. Oh, this is so important. And whoever got in first would be instantly healed no matter what their condition was. So it was, it was, it was just a blanket invitation. It didn't matter the person and it didn't matter condition. If you got in the waters first, you were completely healed. Why? Why, why was it orchestrated that way? Because, my God, God knew that it's your attitude that counts. And you see, for if everybody wanted to get healed, and you had all these different people, guess what you had to have if you were the first one in? <laughs> you, you, had a, you had to have an attitude. You, you, you had to be like a racehorse in a gate. You, you, you had to... My God, I'm going to be the first one in here. I, 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 I am alert, I'm vigilant, I am watching that water, and at the moment there's a, it is a breath of a ripple, I am in the water. And if you get in my way, you're going to get killed in the rush, because I'm getting in the water. It was an attitude that saw the individual get healed. There was nothing complacent about it at all, really. No hesitation, no human logics, no inhibitions, no waiting to be convinced or persuaded. It was just a holy abandonment. It was just absolute boots and all. Friends, I've been, I've been preaching, for, as I said, for 50 years, and I don't know any other way to live this Christian life and actually enjoy it. It's boots and all. 
If you, it's jumping off the end of the pier. For years I tried to do everything reasonable. Uh, and it blew in here, killed me. I saw a burnout, all sorts of things happened to me. But you know what? I'm so alive right now, I could just about bust out of my shirt now. I'm not going to do it. But that's only because it's all, it's everything. I wake up every morning and I, I live for only one thing, two things really, and that is to bring pleasure to my Father's heart and bring His will on earth as it is in heaven. And it consumes me. And friends, I'm loving life. It's like getting on a bike. Some people get on a bike and they, those first few meters are just hard yakka. And then it starts freeing up, you know? Then they have to stop because of some lady in a pram or something. And, and, and then, then they have to go, this hard yakka again. And they get up a bit of emotion and then they have to stop for some other reason. But when you get on a bike in an open road, and you, yeah, but then it frees up, and then you're flowing. And it seems almost effortless. Why? Because you're not stopping and starting. You want to seize God's commission on your life? It's a holy abandonment. You're alive and well? Let me give you this commission. It is the appointed time. Oh, I pray that you'll be here tonight. I really pray you're going to be here tonight. I really do, because I believe tonight can really empower you um, in a very, very specific way. But I, right now, as we draw toward a close, I want to ask you a question as an individual. Is there a decision that God has been requiring of you? Is there a promise that has not yet been possessed? Is there an area of your world that you know is not what God really intended it to be? Maybe a marriage, a family, a finances, business. It could be any area. And you've just been hoping that things would change. Is there a level of discipleship, a level of zeal and passion that you might have been putting off for a better time. Well, I want you to think about an angel stirring the waters, and I want to say to you this morning that I believe God sent me here this morning to stir you. I, 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 I believe that it, there are so many people here this morning that are pregnant with incredible potential, and God just wants a holy abandonment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your indescribable love, your unconditional acceptance. And I pray now our wonderful friend, Holy Spirit, will touch every heart. And my God, that they will go out of this building ready to seize their moment, seize their future, seize their promise, bringing the culture of heaven, not waiting for others to change, but bringing the culture of heaven because it's in them. Father, give them a revelation that they are actually your son, actually your daughter, you're actually their father. Your life is in them. Father, I pray that decisions will be made right now, right now, in this building now, Father, 
that will transform the world in which each one of these people live.